Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Rick Hoffman. Guys, this is going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking a lot about things near and dear to my heart. And we're going to be talking about PTSD, resilience, anxiety. Uh, so, but first, I just want to thank our sponsors. Thank you for always sponsoring the show. Um, our, our sponsors are 100% veterans, 100% of the time. So, if you guys like soap that without detergents, without messing up your skin, check out our friends at Maxwell Soaps. Um, they help. I, I have diabetic itchy skin, and it helps my skin so much. For every bar of soap that they sell, they give one away to help the homeless population of Los Angeles, California. So definitely check out Max Pulse. Oh, Michael, Michael, my brother, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, man? I'm doing amazing. And you? Oh, just another beautiful day. So what'd you do today? Anything good? Oh, man. Uh, Well, recently hopped on the TikTok train, so just put out a inspirational... TikTok, fed the horses, watered the horses. Not too much going on today. Just uh, another easy day, man. All right. So, um, first of all, I wanted you to tell us your story. So, start from the beginning. Tell us where you grew up and what kind of little boy Michael was. Oh, Lord. Little Michael was a troublemaker. We're just going to throw that out there right now. Uh, But I was born in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Uh, My mom married my dad shortly after my second birthday and uh he was in the national guard but then went active duty so moved around a lot spent some time in fort stewart georgia fort lee virginia uh, a few years in bomb holder germany uh, and then he got stationed at fort belvoir virginia for my four years of high school um at a young age i decided i wanted to be a marine don't know why uh but it was that was always my passion. Um, so when I graduated, enlisted in the Marine Corps and went to Paris Island, South Carolina. Now, um, because you were moved around a lot, um, because I know I moved around a lot. When I was a young kid and I had a lot of trouble um, just m- making friends because I knew uh, I wasn't going to be in that place long enough. So I really didn't make a whole lot of friends. Did that something that you went through? Uh, there, yeah, there was a period of time, you know, at the beginning, you know, I was like, yeah, I'll make friends. I made a lot of friends, but, uh, you know, eventually they move or you move. So there was a period of time where, you know, I was, I was pretty depressed, you know, and I was like, what's the point in making friends when they're just going to move or we're just going to move? Uh, so I didn't make a lot of friends. There was a period of time where I didn't, but, uh, as I started to get a little older, I realized, you know, hey, I got an opportunity to make a whole lot of friends, you know, and now I've got friends in pretty much every state, you know, in other countries. Like, if I ever wanted to go somewhere, I probably know somebody that's like, yeah, come on. Um, And, you know, when I had that shift in in thinking, I made a lot of friends and, you know, I was kind of able to enjoy life a lot more. Uh, but yeah, I definitely did struggle for 
many years uh, not wanting to make friends uh, because I didn't want to have to lose them. Now, when I was younger, um, my solace is I would actually, my passion became reading. That was my way of escaping. What was your way of escaping? Uh, my way of escaping, I love, I loved reading as well. I still love to read. I just don't do it as much as I wish I could. Um, but I, I also enjoyed, you know, building things, whether it be Legos or, um, I actually used to build model airplanes, uh, used to have dozens of them hanging from my ceiling. Uh, when I was in middle and high school. Now, um, you know, I, I love everybody's recruiting story. So tell me about your recruiting story. The first time you talked to the Marine recruiter. Uh, man, it, it, they had it easy. Cause I, I was already, I went in there convinced I was going to join the Marine Corps. So it made their job easy. Um, uh, heck, I honestly can't remember when I first walked in there, uh, I know I was, I was 17 and, you know, my parents were like, well, we've been trying to convince you for like 15 years now to not be a Marine, but obviously we're not going to change your mind. So they signed so I could get into the, the delayed entry program before I turned 18. And so I do remember they, they had to be there. I know it was, it was pretty easy. Um, because I I'd already decided that's what I was going to do from now, early age. There was no when you got trying the, to convince me or n- unconvince me. When you got to Paris Island, did you um, take to the Marines pretty easy? Uh, yeah. So actually, funny uh, story about that is it it was my third attempt <laughs> to go to boot camp. So my biological father, he was a Marine. He went to San Diego. Uh, my stepdad, who raised me from the time I was two, uh, he also started out as a Marine, and he went to San Diego. So I put in for the Legacy program to follow in their footsteps. Uh, when I went to ship the first time, uh, they messed up my paperwork, uh, so I had to wait another month. And then when I went back, um, I failed something on my physical so i had to go get checked out to make sure i was okay um so then i got back from the hospital uh getting checked out and getting cleared and i walked in and my staff sergeant's like joking with me he's like i got a spot to ship next week and i was like paris island he's like yeah i was like f it send me he just looked at me in surprise he's like are you are you serious? So I was like, yeah, dude, I don't want to get out of here. Uh, so, you know, I shipped off, of course, went to Paris Island. Uh, so I hold that over my dad's head. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I did four years of Marine Corps JROTC in high school, uh, which really helped out a lot. Um, I learned, you know, all my general orders. I knew all this Marine Corps history. I knew how to drill. Uh, so it, it kind of made it easier with all of those aspects, having that knowledge already, you know, obviously there was some learning that I had to do, uh, but that was, that was definitely a leg up and definitely helped me out. Um, honestly, I'll say my first day there, I thought I'd made a huge mistake. Uh, we had just, 
just met our recruit our our drill instructors and um our seniors sitting there talking to us and I was in Bravo company so our barracks were really close to the parade deck and I glanced over with my eyes at the parade deck and he caught me and <laughs> so I ended up getting ran all over the place and I was just like great this is going to be a long 13 weeks uh, but you know it's it, it was a great experience and ended up loving it man now you know when I joined I was 17 and I know that I had a big, big experience when I first got to my first duty station being 18 years old and being around a lot of men um, you know and then being able to drink and me got busted a couple of times drinking as a minor. How did you uh, fare getting to your first duty station? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, so I was a uh, 61, 16. So I worked on the MV 22 Ospreys. Um, and I, I'm sure, you know, like Marines, we go through combat training, then we go to MOS school. Well, my MOS school was, I got lucky. I was one of the few MOSs that didn't have to go to Pensacola first. Um, so I went through two months of MOS school and they basically just taught you the different parts of a plane. They didn't really teach me a lot. So when you get there, you basically know nothing. Uh, you could have just skipped that two months of training because they didn't really teach me a whole lot. Um, so it was just trying to learn and adapt real quickly um, to what we had to get done. And of course it was kind of difficult because my unit was a week back from Afghanistan. Um, so these guys have all been through, through some stuff and here I am a new guy and I wasn't there with them. So you're kind of like an outsider to the group. So it was kind of, kind of difficult. Um, but all my peers that I graduated with, a couple of them ended up at my squadron, but they had gone home on leave after MOS school, but I wanted to get a jump on the gun. So I went straight to my unit and started working. So it kind of gave me a leg up and a little bit of a head start against my peers. Um, but I'll say that was probably the hardest thing was uh, feeling like an outsider because these guys just came back from Afghanistan and you're the new guy here. So now did you get deployed at all? No. Um, like I said, they had just got back from Afghanistan. We had got cut orders to go back and then they pulled those orders, gave them to a different squadron uh, because they said we were, our unit was too fresh back. And then we got cut orders for a Mew and they just kept pushing it back. So by the time they went out on the boat, I, was already out so never deployed did get a go on some cool debts to some cool places uh but that was that was about it so you know you love the marine corps so much why did you leave the marine corps well i was actually falsely accused of some things that i didn't do so i actually ended up uh spending nine months in the brig awaiting trial I was never convicted of anything. Actually, the tra charges got dropped. Um, but even though I beat my charges, I still got hit with the general article uh, and kicked out. So I really left the Marine Corps with a very 
bitter taste in my mouth. Uh, there was a couple of years where I denied ever being a Marine, which of course, you know, people, <laughs> people are like, well, then why do you have USMC tattooed on you? And you're like, fine, I was a Marine. And there was a long time I hated the phrase, once a Marine, always a Marine. Uh, until, you know, finally I just was like, dude, like this is a part of your life that's never going away just own it you know and i was like fine yeah i was a marine you know and um realized i'm not the only person that's been screwed over by the marine corps or the military and i realized that i learned a lot in my time in and yeah there was the bad memories but there was also a lot of good ones too i made a lot of good friends i got to do some really cool stuff and I learned a lot of valuable life lessons in that time. Now, did you ever get your um, discharge upgraded to honorable? No, I'm actually working on that paperwork uh, right now, uh, trying to get it upgraded. Uh, so that's in the process. So then how did you go about or, OK, let's just, um, you know, when we talked, what was it last week or this week sometime, I'm. I'm always confused. Uh, and you told me you were diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, uh, depression, and anxiety. Where did that come from, and how did you get diagnosed? Yeah, so actually, uh, I was sexually assaulted about a month before I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, now, of course, I never reported it or anything because, you know, the irony there that that was what I spent nine months in the brig accused of. And then it happened to me. So, you know, my kind of view on that was, you know, they're not going to take it serious. Um, also, I was intoxicated when it happened. I was about a month short of being 21. So I figured they were probably just going to throw on a, a charge for underage drinking. And so, you know, I just kind of, and also it was a vulnerability thing, you know, it was like, I'm supposed to be this badass Marine, like that's not supposed to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, so I kept it to myself and I just kept all that bottled up. Um, so ha already having that bad taste and the bad experience with my command and everything. And then that added on top of it. Uh, I started showing signs of PTSD and I ignored them and as if they were going to go away or something. Um, and so I finally ended up breaking down and tried to kill myself and ended up in the psych unit and diagnosed with PTSD, depression, all that fun stuff. So now take us back to that um, suicide attempt. What was the breaking point? Um, I was in an argument with my ex-wife and I just, I don't know. It was just, there was so much rage like coursing through me and I was just so mad. I, it just all happened like so fast, man. It was just like, next thing I knew I had my knife out of my pocket and in my hand and. And I just ended up stabbing myself 
uh, four times in the chest. And I guess I, I didn't even realize, you know, I didn't even process what had happened until a couple minutes later when I, when I actually felt the, the blood, well, I felt something running down my chest and then I put my hand there and it came away in this blood and I was like, Oh crap, I'm bleeding. And you know, it just, I, everything went black for a few minutes. Um, that was, that was kind of just like the breaking point. I don't know. It, was, it had just been like building up and building up and I just kept tried to keep a lid on it until eventually it just exploded, man. So did you go to the hospital and is that when they found out that you were short, that you had post-traumatic stress? Yeah. So my ex-wife was freaking out, called my mom. My mom said, you can either drive yourself to the hospital or I'm calling an ambulance. And I said, don't call an ambulance. She's like, then you better drive yourself to the hospital. And uh, so I bandaged myself up and then went into the hospital and, you know, they put me on a 72 hour watch or whatever it's called. And um, doctor talked to me and he diagnosed me with uh, PTSD and everything. So now, you know, because um, I, I obviously have PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and also struggled with addictions. So how did you start to come back and start to change your life? What did you have to do to start changing? Man, it, it took a few years. Uh, you know, it, it, I became a really heavy alcoholic. I drank a lot. Uh, I was drinking at least two fifths of whiskey every day just to kind of get a slightly drunk, you know, uh, like that's that's how bad it was. And, you know, obviously the doctors want to just put you on medication. You know, I went through a bunch of medication that just made things worse. I went through a bunch that didn't help. And, you know, the ones that did help. I hated them because I never, I felt like somebody else. I felt like I wasn't myself. Um, there was another three suicide attempts following in the next eight months. Um, the last one was kind of my my turning point. Um, I tried to hang myself that time and my great grandma had caught me in the act. And so they called the police cause they didn't know what to do. Things ended up getting out of hand with the police found myself in jail for 60 days for battery, uh, public intox, fleeing, resisting arrest, all that fun stuff. Um, and honestly, like that was my turning point. Um, while I was incarcerated, my friend who was still in the Marine Corps, she was stationed out in Hawaii. She told me to come out and visit her for a little bit, said, I think it'll do you some good. So I booked a one-way ticket out there. Uh, within three weeks of being out there, you know, I ran out of medication. So I stopped taking any kind of medication to help with it. But I found my healing through being outdoors. Uh, I started hiking a lot, kayaking, snorkeling. I started working with horses. Uh, one of my other childhood passions was to be a cowboy. I always wanted to be a Marine or a cowboy. So 
it only made sense to choose that path next. And I found so much healing through being with horses. Uh, it really helped me get myself in check. Um, you can't come at horses with anger, aggression, and all those kind of emotions because they feed off of that. They can sense all of that. So it really helped me put my emotions and my attitude in check, like at a subconscious level, you know, you get so attuned to it that you're like, your horse starts acting a little off and you're like, okay, am I getting worked up right now? So it created this subconscious awareness within me and yeah, you man, that's that's really where I, I started finding my my healing and uh, getting a grip on the PTSD and everything. Now, I, I talked to a gentleman yesterday, another veteran, and um, he also does um, equi equine therapy with a with a, a group called VETS. Um, so talk to us about why there's such a bond between horses and and people there seems to be like they say that a horse can look through your soul talk to us about that yeah that man that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes by winston churchill uh, the best thing for the inside of a man is the outside of a horse and i man it's it's a hard bond to explain but there's just like you feel this deeper connection when you're with a horse like they're just so massive but they're so peaceful and majestic and i think it's the fact that they can pick up on those cues and they can sense the way that you're feeling and they respond to that so you know a lot of times like people don't pick up on that unless they really know you then they they'll be like yo are you okay but like a horse can sense that whether it knows you or not and they they respond to it so you've got like this really deep connection and it's like a i say there's there's nothing more sacred than the bond between a cowboy and his horse like that connection runs deeper than just the physical like it's almost like a like a spiritual emotional connection and Unless you've experienced it, it's kind of hard to put into words, man. So tell us about, uh, first I got to know, um, how come you didn't stay in Hawaii and how come you live where you are now? And then talk to us about Second Chance Rehabilitation Ranch. Yeah, man, uh, you can thank COVID for that. Uh, so leading up to me coming back to Arkansas. So I worked on a couple ranches out there. I uh, worked at one for two years, another one for another year. And uh, I ended up losing my job at the second one, becoming homeless and unemployed for about three months. Um, in that period, you know, I applied for like over a hundred something jobs and couldn't even get an interview with any of them and I was like dude I'm way overqualified to be flipping burgers at McDonald's and I can't even get an interview uh, so I reached out to a friend of mine Kirby Ingalls uh, love, I love me some Kirby Scott Ingalls man he's he's a good man uh, 
can thank him for where we're at right now because, you know, when I reached out to him, I, I wanted some help, but I didn't expect the help that he gave. Um, I was trying to find a job, and he was trying to help me find the future, man. And, uh, you know, he asked me, if you could be anywhere in five years, where would it be? Uh, so I was like, man, this ranch, this is what I want to do. I want to help people. I want to do this thing. And, you know, he got me involved with uh, Chris Hoffman and the Ambitious Vet Network. And I went through a couple of their programs and really kick-started uh, the wheel on this um, Second Chance Rehabilitation Ranch. Um, but, yeah, so I was living homeless, unemployed. Uh, after going through those ambitious vet network programs, the ambitious vet sprint, I got a job, started working at a pizza place, had some good money coming in. Uh, and I knew I had two choices. I could either live comfortably and get a house, but that meant I wasn't going to have much money to put into getting this business up and going, or I could continue living homeless. And to paint the picture for you, it's not as bad as it sounds. I was sleeping in a hammock on the beach, waking up to the sunrise over the ocean every morning. Not the worst way to be homeless, man. <laughs> but uh, I chose to continue, continue to be homeless and invest that money into building the ranch. And then back in March of 2020, COVID hit. So they shut down all the beach parks, which meant I lost my place to sleep. Um, they shut down the gym, so I lost my place to work out and shower. They shut down Starbucks, which is where I'd spend seven hours a day working on building my business. Um, so all I was left with was a job there. So I booked a flight back home where, to Arkansas, where my family's at, and continued to work on it from here. So now talk to us about what you got going on and um, how we can support your mission. Yeah, man. So Second Chance Rehabilitation Ranch, um, got a lot of things we're working on. Uh, excited to announce that we recently launched our healing retreats, which are three-day retreats uh, for veterans and first responders uh, where we go out. We camp for three days, two nights. Uh, we go kayaking, fishing, hiking, um, bring the horses along for some equine interaction. And, you know, we just kind of kick it and get to know each other. Um, you know, kind of the purposes behind those retreats are, one, those veterans and first responders, they get a few days to step away from their everyday life and just unwind and decompress, which is important. And two, they're getting to experience all these different kinds of outdoor therapies with the hopes that they find something that resonates with them, something that they can do to help them heal. Like for me, it's horses and hiking. Um, so, and then the third thing is to build community and encourage peer-to-peer -peer support because nobody gets us like us. So getting these veterans and first responders connected to others. Um, so that way, when they're having those bad days, they can just reach out to their buddies and say, you and I are on a retreat and we meet 
you're having a bad day. I know you like going fishing. I'm like, hey, man, I, I got a couple rods and reels. Let's go hit the water for a little bit and do some fishing. Uh, so that way we can build up that community. Now, when a person comes down there, where do they stay? Yeah, so we go out uh, on the wildlife management land out here in the foothills of the Ozarks. We've got tents. We stay in tents for those two nights and just get to be completely surrounded by nature, kind of a little off the grid and, you know, just kind of be alone and unwind. You know, and I and I love that. And by the way, I, I love that um, it's not free. So you have you're going to put some skin in the game and people are more serious when they have skin in the game. Like, say, if somebody gave you a free gym membership, you might use it, you might not use it. But when you pay for something and you see that money coming out of your checkbook, you kind of put a little bit more emphasis on it. Is that what your thought process is? Yeah, pretty much, man. Uh, you know, I wanted to, I didn't want to charge veterans and first responders when I first started out. But, you know, as I started to learn and progress uh, down the roads getting this going, I realized, you know, people only take free to a certain extent, like you're saying. And I want people to show up and I want them to be engaged because, you know, this stuff, really works and it can really help you uh but you have to show up and you have to be engaged and when you have a little skin in the game you show up a little different and you take it a little more serious um so yeah that's that that's my thought process entirely so now tell us about how this equine therapy has helped you personally yeah, so, you know, even still now, you know, when I'm having a bad day, I just go saddle up my horse and I'll just go for a ride. Sometimes I'll think about the stuff that's bothering me. Sometimes I don't think about anything at all. You know, sometimes you're just focused on, you know, feeling and connecting with your horse. Like, but at the end of it, I always come back refreshed and ready to go, you know, and Sometimes I don't even go out and ride. I don't even feel like riding. I'll just go out there and I'll just love on my horses. And even that in itself, you know, is is healing in itself. Okay, so now also I know um, that you work with a couple other nonprofits. And if you would like to talk about them, if you want to shout them out, I would love for you to do that. Yeah, so uh, one of my, my top ones is Project Refit. Uh, we partnered up together. I love those guys over there. James Corbett, he's an outstanding individual. Uh, good old boy from Jersey. Uh, the, the thing I love about them is they back up everything they say. When they say they're going to show up for a veteran or a first responder, they're going to show up. Um, I've had the honor and privilege of, doing a couple of different things with them. We went out to Colorado Springs and ran a Spartan race with a army veteran who was going through uh, some stuff. And, you know, that was an honor, uh, an honor and a great experience. And then I had a police officer from Louisiana reach out to me 
and you know her roof was about to collapse so i just immediately called up james i was like hey bro we gotta do something about this and you know he didn't even miss a beat he's like let's do it and you know we raised the money we put together a team we went down there they came all the way down from drove all the way down from jersey you know i came down from arkansas we had people come from pensacola florida northern louisiana um, a local church sent a lot of volunteers and we were able to in three and a half days get that roof tore down and a new one put up and so it's it's just awesome to work with those guys because they're they're not about words they're about actions and they back up everything that they say and it's it's so great to work with those guys and then another one is honoring the heroes um they send backpacks with resources to veterans. Uh, sorry, their primary focus is first responders, but they're working with us to create um, backpacks to give out on our retreats for the veterans and first responders with books and resources uh, to help them after they leave our retreats. I love it, brother. So last two questions I have. How do we find you? How do we uh, get in touch with you to support your mission or if somebody come down and join, join your program? How do we find you? Yes. Yeah, so we're on pretty much all social medias. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Michael Anthony Parker. That's a N T H O N E Y should be the only one that comes up. Uh, give me a follow there or, you, and you can follow the ranch on Facebook at second chance rehabilitation ranch. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, Michael Parker, and also Second Chance Rehabilitation Ranch. Uh, I'm on Instagram at misguided underscore child 6116. And newly on TikTok at cowboy Mike underscore 2CR Ranch. All right. So, last question I have um, you know, a lot of people sometimes won't reach out until they hear a story like this and they'll be like, you know what, if those guys can get help, so can I. So if there's somebody out there right now that is listening to this and they know they need help, what is something that they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help? Man, give me a call. Uh, I didn't get my number, but, you know, give me a call at 870 870- six six eight six six nine one you know come on out come see us Uh, if i'm not able to help i got a lot of friends and people that can help in different locations we'll get you some help uh you don't have to do this alone and don't push it off till tomorrow because tomorrow never comes so start start doing it today start working on yourself today start getting better now and like I said, you don't have to do it alone. There's plenty of people out there who understand and want to help. So reach out. I love it, brother. And, you know, I'm so grateful for everything you, you're doing. Um, I appreciate you. So, guys, I, I, I want to thank our sponsors once again, uh, Maxwell Soaps. If you guys like that clean feeling of getting washed without having detergents on your skin, and also if you like to help save and help change people's lives, check out Maxwell Soaps. Brother, I just want to say thank you for coming on. I truly appreciate you. This is going to go out next season, and I'll make sure that I tag you. And um, any way that I can help you, you know I'm going to help you, brother. 
Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on here. All right, brother. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, guys. If you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee. And, and it will it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.